listeners, I'm Stacey Lee Sherwood from Reality Checks with Stacey Lee coming to you on All About Animals Radio. Now, if you think animal issues are just about animals, well, no, they also involve politics and economics, so they affect all of us. So today, I hope you learn a little something, maybe be motivated to act, and enjoy the show. Now, today, I'll be talking about vervet monkeys that live free and wild in southern Florida. They are classified as non-native, so we will dive into that important difference between native, non-native, and invasive. These monkeys now have a sanctuary and medical care, which was an amazing accomplishment by my guest, Dr. Missy Williams, or as we call her, just Dr. Missy. She's the founder of the Dania Beach Vervet Project here in Southern Florida. So with that, welcome Dr. Missy, and let's start off with a brief history of how the monkeys came to be in Florida. Good morning. Thank you for having me and sharing our story. It is an unusual story, definitely a Florida story about having monkeys here in South Florida. So people do hear about monkeys in Florida. Um, You know, we have the macaque population in Silver Springs. We did at one time have a squirrel monkey population. However, I understand there's only one left at the Bonnet House. And then that leaves us with the topic for today, our lovely vervet monkeys in Dania Beach. So how do monkeys from Africa end up here in Dania Beach? That was one of the questions that I answered when I was studying this population. I thought it was just really weird to see African monkeys running freely through a parking lot. So unusual, right? So I did my research and it turned out there was something called the Anthropoid Ape Research Foundation that was opened in the 1940s by Layla Roosevelt and her partner Armand Des. They were importing primates in from Africa specifically to be sold off for the biomedical trade. However, to offset the costs of running this facility, they also opened it up as a zoo. So it was a great way for locals to come in and see the animals that they brought in and also generating income for the facility. From what I understand, in the late 40s, either 1947 or 1948, about 50 of the monkeys escaped into the mangroves. They managed to get all of them back, but 12 to 15. So the monkeys we see today descend from those 12 to 15 monkeys that escaped. And they also talk about where they live, because I think a lot of people, when they envision, especially if they don't come to Florida, when they envision, you know, they hear about the Everglades, and they think uh, Florida is just a swamp. Uh, and it can be swampy, but most of it is really quite quite built up and developed. It looks it looks like a city, basically. So when people might think, oh, there's like monkeys in Florida, they probably think it's a big jungle area, but it's not, is it? No, no. So, you know, the monkeys do hang out in wetland areas. However, because of, like you mentioned, the urban development, there's not much left. So they really have become urbanized monkeys. They use the swamps. They use the space there to go in to hide from people or to take naps or to sleep. But they do prefer the fringes there because they know that they can go out into those urban industrial areas to find people to feed them. And that's really what puts them into danger. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a whole a whole problem. So do you want to mention there's actually two different groups of monkeys, right? They don't all live together. Right. So there's about 40 individuals in the population total. So when we first started our studies in January of 2014, we only counted 36 individuals. Um, And we really thought we would find more because vervet monkeys are known to be highly adaptable and can thrive in any environment. They really only need access to food, water, and sleeping trees. So 
they have that. So that was one of the questions. Why aren't we seeing more uh, vervet monkeys? You know, for example, they have the Caribbean population in uh, St. Kitts, Barbados and St. Martin. And they estimate that there's a one to one ratio of monkey on island. Uh, so for every person you see on an island there, they they estimate there's a monkey. So it's a really large population. So 50,000 African greens. So it's a lot. And they were reported in during the slave trade. So knowing how well vervet monkeys adapt, we were really expecting to find more. And we've only had 40 individuals consistently since we started studying the population. There are four social groups and they do not all live together. So the groups, uh, social groups live together. Uh, we have four altogether, like I mentioned, there are two large social groups and then there are very small two groups, two small groups um, that live in those areas. And for people that aren't familiar with the difference between monkeys and chimpanzees, because that's a, that's another one I know. Oh, yes. um, <laughs> the chim chimpanzees are really large, but these monkeys, the vervets are actually quite small, right? They're not they're not very large. No, no, no. So they're considered monkeys, not apes. Um, so the males are a little bit larger than the females. So they do practice or exhibit sexual dimorphism. So the males will be about 12 to 15 pounds on average, and an adult female will come in about 10 pounds. So if you do see a male and a female sitting side by side, you would see a noticeable difference. So that's re that's really actually quite small. Small, right. small, small oh, yeah. animal. And people so, report them to be, oh, I saw a chimpanzee in the parking lot this morning. I'm like, oh, you, no, you would know if it was a chimpanzee, you know. Yeah, you would know. Yeah, you Absolutely. would know. Yeah. So it's like yeah. you said, people not really knowing. You don't expect everyone to be a primate expert, but it's just funny how common chimpanzees are used to refer to, to apes and monkeys. Now, there's a whole big controversy. Florida has a lot of non-native species. In fact, when it comes to reptiles, <laughs> I honestly think most of the reptiles are really not uh, okay. native. It's almost impossible to even find a native reptile at, the, at this point. Um, but there's a whole big controversy about native and non-native and invasive um, you can actually be native and invasive as in harmful to the environment. And you can be non-native and kind of harmless. Right. But a lot of people don't understand the nuances or even the legal definition of what all that means. So would you like to explain Absolutely. these monkeys and where they fall into all of that? Right. Because people always say, well, you know, what? they're invasive anyway. I'm like, no, they're not. So what happens is I think in the news and on social media, uh, People see these terms used a lot to reference whatever animal or plant that they're talking about, but not understanding there is a clear difference. So um, an invasive plant or animal species grows and spreads quickly. They will outcompete native plants and animals. They will take up space. They cause uh, economic damage. They will present a health risk, etc. cetera. Um, but for non-natives, such as the Danube beach monkey population, their population is not growing. There is zero impacts on the ecological environment and there have not been any health hazards. Vervets are typically considered disease-free. You can check the literature for that. Um, and we have had zero reports of property damage or aggression. So they do not check any of the boxes to be considered invasive at all. And matter of fact, most non-native animals rarely go on to achieve that invasive status. So you will have lots of non-natives However, they will just never be able to attain that invasive status. And so people like to use those terms interchangeably, but there is a clear difference between those terms. 
Actually, I'm glad you mentioned disease because <clears throat> on uh, social media, which is not always a bastion of truth and uh, correct information, shall we say, uh, you know, you see comments about, oh, my gosh, you know, the monkeys. And again, sometimes they just call them monkeys. They don't differentiate between the species um, or they'll say chimps. Um, and they'll say, oh, you know, they're causing problems, they damage the environment, or they'll give you a disease, or they have, uh, I don't know, all, all kinds of, I forget the popular one that was going on a few months ago. Um, but that's also a problem, right, that people are right asking, asking, asking you, you know, if I pull in and I see one, am I going to get a disease? And they, they think that they're carriers of diseases, but that's not really true, is it? No, no, this is, uh, and because of that, that's why vervets are particularly used in labs or preferred. So they're easy to handle because they're small and they don't carry disease. However, um, the macaques that we have here in uh, Silver Spring State Park, they are known carriers of herpes B. However, the state and the media have blown this issue out of proportion. So if you look at the CDC website, World Health Organization website, check the facts for herpes B. Um, since it was discovered, only 50 people have actually picked up the herpes B virus, and it was all in a lab setting where the animal was actively shedding the virus. Uh, matter of fact, people who work in labs with these animals report hundreds of bites every year and scratches and do not pick up the herpes B virus. And people don't realize it, but in the state of Florida, you can own one as a pet. So if the risk was really that problematic, the state would blackball them from every private person to potentially own them because of the risk. So that really tells me that yes, the risk is there. However, it's very, very minimal. Um, so people do like to mix up the vervets and the macaques. And so they're called herpes monkeys, which I completely disagree because not all of them have herpes. Vervets will never carry herpes. They can't. It's specific to macaques only. And like I said, you know, the odds of you picking up herpes is very, very rare. I mean, the risk is there. I don't want to, you know, diminish that fact that it is a lethal virus, but how are you going to get it? If you're at Silver Springs, are you going to chase a monkey? You're going to try to pick up the monkey. Like if you just leave wildlife alone, that reduces so many problems. I know. I know. I, I see, I see the comments, especially about the ones up in Silver Spring, because mm -hmm. the ones up in Silver Spring are much larger. They're a much larger animal. And I believe the populations are Two, two or 300, I'm not, I don't know if anyone has an accurate count, but I think like two or 300. Um, but I know tons of people who go up in the hopes of seeing them and photographing them, right? right. You got it. First of all, in order to see them, you have to be on a boat. You have to be very quiet, not make any sudden moves. And if you're lucky, you might see one in a tree scamper away. So the notion right. that they are just hanging out, waiting for some human to come by and then jump on the boat and whoosh right. you and all is just like not even, not even possible. And the same right. thing with the vervets while they're habituated, I guess, to humans, or they're used to right. having humans around in their space, so to speak, right. that's just going to walk up and jump on you and slobber all over you. That just, that just doesn't happen. Absolutely. Um, I agree. It's, you know, I've been working with them for almost 10 years. They know me very, very well and right. they're comfortable around me, but even if I get too close, they will inch away. So they know to avoid people within reason. They don't want you to touch them. So I always tell people it's this wildlife etiquette, I guess, of like, if you see it, just, you know, observe the wildlife, respect it, but don't encroach on their space, right? And um, then you don't have to worry about these problems that people, you know, make up in their head about attacking and et cetera, because that, it shouldn't happen. 
Exactly. I think the animals are probably the animals that know to avoid humans are clearly smarter uh, yes. oh than, than, than the humans. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I was in Yellowstone years and years ago uh, before they put up all the signs, you know, warning people not to, you know, pet the bison. Right. And we would be driving along and the bison that huge animals, right? Massive animals and in a big herd. And of course, this is spring and summer. So they got the babies. Uh, you would think logic, but logic rarely plays out with wild animals, right? And I get that they're cute and they want to see the monkeys and the bison and all that, but you just you just can't. And there'd yeah. always be at least one incident per summer where some idiot would get out of the car, jump the fence, run down to the herd, right? Oh wait, oh, like it's, that wasn't enough, right? Like common sense clearly was not a factor. Um, because I guess it's just all adrenaline or a photo op or who knows. And right. the males would come out, you know, and the females would all get in a, like the elephants do. They gather right. around and the babies are in the middle, you know, and you can, you can tell clearly the guys were not happy that this was going on. Right. Uh, but no, no, I can't tell you how many times I would see someone literally keep approaching, you know, and every once in a while, somebody would, you know, be chased or gored or whatever. Right. Their fault, their fault. Absolutely. Same thing, you know, same thing with the monkeys. If you go down and you want to see them and you're throwing potato chips, then, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And that that's just not right. But uh, but obviously uh, animals are a lot smarter when it comes to avoiding humans than humans are. Yes, they are very aware of the problems we present. <laughs> right. I always tell people, I said, what if a stranger came up to you? Right, exactly. Decided, oh my gosh, I have to pet you. <laughs> or I'm gonna I just want to hug you. You would be really upset. And it's the I same know. principle, right? It's know, a this personal space and a stranger idea. So like you said, I just don't know where the logic is. It's clearly absent because like you said, you'll hear periodically on the news someone did something really stupid and was either hurt or killed. And sadly, I feel like the animal pays the price for that, right? Yeah. So they'll be euthanized. Oh, it's always the animal. It's 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 always the animal. And it's another species too. So even if we think, oh, well, they're used to us, you know, they see us driving around or whatever, but it's a different species. How right. they perceive things is very different than how we perceive things. You know, we might right. think, oh, we're friendly. And they're thinking, alert, alert, danger. Yes. You know, what? what is this big monster going to, you know, do to me kind of thing? Right. Uh, and they try to give you warning signs, but they try to give you warning signs that really only their species would understand. Right. And then the human is like, oh, I'll just, you know. I'll just go try to pet them, you know, I'll just ignore all of that. And then you end up with problems. And yeah, yeah. the animal, the animals always blame, no matter, no matter what the animals always blame. Yeah. So let's talk about the sanctuary, which was, I can't say it enough, Missy, hats off Thank to you. you. you did a long nobody knows time. better. I know nobody knows better. But <sighs> that was, you know, yes. the state and all. So you want to talk about all that? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So you've been there from you know, pretty much the onset of, you know, my dream of getting a sanctuary. I really thought it was a pipe dream just because the reality of finding space, especially yeah. in an urban area and getting the permit through the state, it's lots of paperwork. It's crazy. Lots of hurdles to jump over. Um, but I stuck to my guns and we managed to pull it off. So we um, lease four acres from Hertz. And luckily that's is the same space that one of the large social groups hangs out on. So I really thought that was best um, just because uh, it did allow the animals who eventually would come to us to be enclosed would actually still be able to interact with wild monkeys. It's important for that 
Um, and we also lease 12 acres for free from Bridge, which is very nice of them, but it's a conservation easement. We can't build on that. So altogether, we have 16 acres of four acres being devoted specifically to the sanctuary, which we can build on. And uh, people say, well, why do you need a sanctuary? You should just let animals run wild and free. And I agree. I would love to have the monkeys in a natural habitat doing what monkeys do. But we go back to that non-native label again, because they're non-native. They have zero protections except by the animal welfare. Um, so if an animal is hit by a car and needs veterinary care, uh, without a permit, you really can't do anything. So what happened was when I was there doing my research for my dissertation, I saw so many animals injured and die of wounds that could have been treated by a vet. Uh, but the only options for those animals at that point before I got my permit were euthanasia, um, or they could go to an individual who has a class two permit, which is what you need to have in the state of Florida uh, to be in possession of a vervet or macaque. There's lots of animals that fall under that class too. Uh, but it turns out, um, sadly, the exotic pet trade is a big thing in the state of Florida. So sometimes the monkeys would end up with a pet dealer and be exploited for money. So I thought those options are absolutely horrific. That should not be the fate of an animal who's just here, brought here by humans and just living their lives. Um, so we decided that really what's what pushed us to get the sanctuary. So with the permit that we acquired, it took a long time. We just got it in August. And so I think it took two years to get um, the lease in place. And then, oh my God, maybe nine months to get the paperwork done and checked off by Fish and Wildlife. So it was no easy feat. But now, you know, we're able to help those animals that might be confiscated illegally in the state of Florida's pets, which would, they really have no place to go. So they'll be euthanized. <clears throat> or if they're trapped as a nuisance, which was one of the animals we have on site now, Spock, would have been euthanized. And then the other animal that we have on site, Betty, lost her leg due to electrocution. Um, so we're really opened up to help those animals at risk of euthanasia because there are no other options out there for them. So we, we can't release them. That's the state law. So we figure having them come live with us is the best of all options. We know they won't be exploited for the pet trade, and we will definitely make sure that they are provided with proper vet care, proper nutrition, and have enrichment provided to keep their, you know, their little mental monkey, uh, ideas or, you know, monkeys are so intelligent, you just can't lock them up without anything to do. So we're there to make sure that they're enriched physically and mentally. Right. And the vet care would not have happened because of their, again, non-native status, if right. you did not have a sanctuary. So until right. until you got that permit, uh, animals would get injured, they'd get hit by cars and electrocuted, uh, or any kind of things and we're not able to have any kind of vet care, which is a terrible way to, a right. terrible, way, terrible way to die. Yeah, so how, it's horrible. How do they end up getting electrocuted? Oh, people, well, people, people might wonder, like, you know, if they're living, living in the wetlands here, how do they end up ele electrocuted? Right. So they spend, you know, like I said, sometimes uh, in the swamps, but they do come out to those urban parking lots because, you know, they're curious. It's part of their day range. Um always looking for food, opportunistic little guides. 
but they do like to climb to the highest points uh, of their space to, to see what's going on. You know, it's this natural instinct to see if there's any predators or maybe there's another social group. But when they do that, they make contact with the live wires and they're electrocuted. So, oh my gosh, how many of you had electrocuted? I think Betty's the fourth one that we know of that's been electrocuted. So uh, she survived, luckily. We had another young male named Dennis survive without any medical intervention. This was before we had our permit. So we just had wow. to walk it away. So he's remarkable. Um, but we did lose two to an electrocution. So, um, you know, those are that's one of the big issues that we have. Um, also, they get run over by cars, which is awful. They come out. Um, sadly, they will sometimes come out too close to the road because people like to feed them and people just stop on the side of the road and the monkeys come out. Exactly. It's very upsetting. So when we do see that, we say, hey, you know, shouldn't feed wildlife and especially near such a dangerous space um, because they do get hit by cars. And um, people also like to trap them illegally for the pet trade. Right. So it's really, they don't really have any natural predators, so to say, but it's all human related issues that contribute to their mortality. Right. And where they're situated, it's not just uh, right behind the airport, but it's right off a highway. Right. Um, it's right off a highway, an airport. There's train tracks around there and the, a, a marina, right? There's, it's literally like the worst, the worst of the worst. And it can be because, of course, it's so near an airport. And what with, you know, the last couple of years, um, in 2020, I guess 2021, not a lot of flights, but now the flight capacity is kind of back to normal. So it is very loud down there, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is, it is not, uh, you know, people think of like a wetlands, like if you go hiking in a wetlands, they think, oh, it's like nature, it's quiet. Oh no, this is like zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah, yeah, really. because the leftover wetlands are literally cushioned between a very busy airport and Port Everglades. And now we have two active runways at the airport so planes are continuously taking off and landing all hours of the day, right? Um, so like you said, you think, oh, this should be a nice, peaceful, serene area. No, it's noisy, especially with the um, construction going on. So they're bombarded all day long with these really intrusive noises. Airport expand, I could have sworn a couple of years ago, um, two, three years ago, you know, construction down here takes forever, but I could have sworn <laughs> I was coming up from like Hollywood and around the airport, I don't think it was just 95. I could have sworn. So did they expand the airport? Did they expand the runways? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. They, so there are more runways. Yeah, there's one that um, pushes out right up against the, the mangroves, literally. You just cross uh, Northeast 7th Avenue and you're right into the mangroves. So it is a uh, definitely not a, uh, a peaceful place at all. It's very noisy. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's and of course, the air, it's a big international airport. So 24 hours a day. So I can't imagine. Well, they grew up in that environment, so they don't know that they're really supposed to be in a quiet jungle. You know, yeah, hundreds of miles away from, from humans. So I guess if you grow up in that and you don't know anything, you know, right. but uh, if you if you don't grow up in that environment and you're not there 24 hours a day and you you do spend even just if you went down there, it is phenomenal how. Like we couldn't even talk, you know, because after two or three minutes, zoom, and then another two yeah. minutes, zoom, zoom. This yeah. is just the airplane. Then you have all the ambient noise from the highway, not to mention the people driving, you know, back and forth on and off the highway. Right. And then there's some truck thing about a couple blocks away. I forget what they do on the other side of the road. So there's like a lot of ambient noise and traffic and 
smells. Yeah. That's another thing too, is it doesn't quite smell all that clean and no, clean, no. clean, yeah, clean and pristine either. It's um, no, no. We find sadly uh, an inordinate amount of trash from the surrounding businesses that have been thrown into the mangroves, and it's supposed to be a protected space. Right. No one monitors that. So we do actually have concern about habitat quality. What's the water quality like? They drink from the water. Right. And then obviously any of the industrial runoff from the businesses there. So And that comes from the highways and the plains and, and you so you can imagine what's in what's in that water. So yeah, what what would the verbits if they were home uh in their native habitat what would they be eating compared to you know what they what they eat down here so they are omnivores so they will eat almost anything so in uh, africa they take advantage of any type of food source so they will eat you know they eat meat they'll eat fruits they'll eat breads grains whatever they can get a hold of so they cooperate right so they're opportunistic um and if you're window is open or your door is open to your house, they will certainly go in and see what they can find, right? So they eat almost anything. Um, but here in Florida, because they've been fed historically by people for years, they've developed a sweet tooth, and uh, so to speak. So they really prefer, you know, and salt, just like humans, we like our no, salt. Humans, yeah. <laughs> but that's what people feed them. So, um, you know, they get lots of sweet fruits, banana mangoes, those are the, the, the go-tos. Um, and sadly, sometimes people will feed them like gummies or um, at one point, someone was feeding them king size. Was it Ritz? No, not Ritz. I can't even think of the name of it now. Kit Kats. That's what they were feeding them. King size Kit Kat bar. Kit Kats. Oh, yes. wow. And uh, gum, you know. Gum. Yes. Oh, Lord. Exactly. Oh, wow. And, you know, well, people really don't know what they should be putting in their own bodies. So. <laughs> alone, yeah, let alone yeah. monkey. Right. <clears throat> so when the monkey so when the monkey saw the the gum, was it was it wrapped? Did they just throw it like wrapped or like I think they did, they, someone sent me photos and so they just really didn't know what to do with it. So there were pictures of them just kind of pulling it out of their mouth like a child will do. You right. know, play with your gum, put it back in your mouth. Oh, so it was no. the same thing. So I thought, oh my God, that is the last thing those animals need to to be consuming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was such a weird they give them hard candies. So I would I finally I made a sign that said, please, because people are gonna feed. I think you and I talked about wildlife. You're gonna feed yeah. wildlife. Yeah, they're gonna you can't feed stop wildlife. it. It's illegal. But you have to educate people because you'd never be able to curb that. So finally I put signs up along the space where no monkeys hang out. Please do not feed the animals processed human foods. I don't even know if they know what that means, but <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. This whole thing. No Twinkies, no Kit Kats, no gum. Yeah. yeah just natural food items. So I'm <laughs> hoping, you know, at least people will pick up on that and feed them something that's relatively healthy as opposed to, you know, the junk that I've seen come out of bags. And, you know, it's just, it's the American diet. That's really what's going on with these animals. And I'm surprised we haven't seen those issues associated health risks, right. That you would see, um, you know, so, you know, when they are accidentally killed or we have to euthanize, we do actually check, have an exam by the vet. And the vet did say, uh, he goes, these are the cleanest teeth I've seen, even with my, uh, my dog and cats that come in. Really? Wow. Yeah. So huh. I thought that was impressive. I thought for sure with all the candies and sugars that they would have some dental issues, but um, we haven't gotten any, noticeable reports back from the vet that say, yeah, we're seeing some health concerns associated with the diet. Not yet, but um, 
yeah, so it's interesting. It's all very interesting out there. Huh. Well, maybe, you know, maybe people throw them all this crap food because it is crap food. Yeah. <laughs> I, I use it. I use the word uh, food loosely. It's not food. It's not even food that we should be eating, let alone right. that. But I've, I've seen the same thing with the ducks and the deer where people will take it like a bag of potato chips or popcorn or God knows what else. Right. And I'm like, you shouldn't even be eating that. You absolutely should not be eating. You know, this animal is like an herbivore, you know, leaves and grass, that kind of thing. Why are you giving them a Twinkie? You know, <laughs> I mean, it just, it just, I mean, it's, it's funny, but it's not, it's sad. It really, it really is ridiculous, but you're right. We're just not, it's a losing battle to try to say to people, don't feed the wildlife. Even when you know the people, even when it's like your own backyard and it's just the ducks, people just want to do what they want to do. And the only hope is to try to get them to feed something natural or closer right. uh, to what they would naturally be consuming. So, you know, at least you don't, at least you don't kill them. Right. Well, yeah, and I think it's just people love, you know, and people, you know, generally enjoy that interaction. I think it's a way for them to connect. Yeah. With them. So yeah, they enjoy that moment, but you just really have to, like you said, you have to say, Hey, I know you enjoy interacting with the animals, but just keep in mind, these are the risks and this is the best way to feed them. So I even tried with the monkeys because, um, monkeys operate on a, a social structure, right? A pecking order, alpha male, alpha female. Right. So without human uh, interference, the alphas get access to all the desired foods first. Right. And then the lower ranking, no, I'm going to wait. And I'll just, I guess I'll just get the crumbs because <laughs> as a low ranking individual and you come into their feeding space, they will physically remind you um, that you should not be there. And so I noticed that a lot with uh, some of the feeders in Dania Beach, they had favorite monkeys that they like to feed first. But those monkeys were low ranking. And so the alphas are sitting there watching and say, well, that's oh. weird. Why is she getting that, that banana first over me? And then right. the alpha would attack. That's what oh, they do. That's bad. Yeah. And then the people are like, well, why are they so mean? I'm like, well, because you're not, you know, you just, yeah. So I, so then I was like, you just can't feed one monkey at a time because depending on their social ranking and impacts, if that animal will be beat up or not. And some of these wounds were pretty horrific. And this was back when we couldn't fix them. Right. And so I said, you need to do a wide scatter, make it wide enough. So if the low ranking animal is eating, he can, he or she can be out of view of the alpha. So it really reduces the social conflict, you know, but people like to, what I call clump feed, they'll dump a pile of really yummy foods and then all the monkeys gather in around it. And that's not how they eat. They like their elbow room to eat. They don't want anybody up in their space. So once again, people, I think, trying to do good, not really understanding, you know, the harm that they're causing when they do this. So it's so important for us, I think, uh, who are invested in wildlife to make sure that we do provide some education for, for the public. Absolutely. Right. And if anyone has like cats, they can relate to this. If you have multiple cats, you know that they have individual personalities and there's kind of a hierarchy among them, too. Right. So when you want to put out catnip, just like with the monkeys or any wildlife, if you're going to feed them, you can't just put a big pile of catnip. Just like with the monkeys, they will go after each other. So you have to right. do different clumps. So you have to spread it out. Yes. So they come and they have their own little individual space. But right. also they don't feel like they have to all go at the same time because that wouldn't be how the monkeys are naturally. You know, right. aside yeah. from the hierarchy, maybe someone doesn't feel like eating now. But if it's all in a clump, then they feel like they have to go get it right away. And then that 
causes problems that if we had just left them alone, they wouldn't have had those had those problems. And that's again, you know, we're not right. gonna we're not gonna win with the not feeding, but at least people right. can right. think, you know, think think before they do that. So I did notice on um your Facebook page that there was a kind of a sad incident with a monkey, uh, I guess a few days ago that oh. has been hit hit by a car or something. Oh yes, that really gutted us. So yes. uh, this young monkey, he was about eight months old. His name was Goose. He was the first one of the infant season last summer. Um, he was hit by a car and killed over the weekend. Mm. And um, and this once again goes back to why we need the sanctuary, right? To keep them away from this urban habitat, you know? And the hardest part was I was actually out of town for a conference. So I'm off. Luckily, um, I was uh, at a rest stop at the Turnpike. So, you know, you get poor cell reception out there. So I'm so glad this didn't come across as a voicemail. I was able to pick up and uh, it was my sister who had gone out to help feed uh, and take care of the monkeys. And she called, she goes, there's just a dead monkey right here. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, how is that even possible? So you do have to cut through a parking lot to get to our space. And you would think that the parking lot would not be used like the Indy 500, right? There's no need for excessive speeding on a parking lot, especially with people there, right? Um, and uh, the monkey was dead, lying there and was not responsive. And so my sister was looking around like, who would have done this? And there were only two drivers that day on the lot. And of course, no one copped up to doing this. Right. And so, and, you know, like you and I have talked about before accidents happen, it's absolutely horrible. And it is quite possible. He just jumped in front of the car and maybe the guy wasn't speeding. I don't know. Um, but he was hit and killed and it would have been nice for someone to come up and say, Oh my God, I am so, so sorry. The little monkey jumped out in front of the car and it was just the worst timing and I couldn't stop. I would have appreciated that. Um, but instead of being, uh, you know, this person was a coward and just refused to acknowledge that this happened at all. So that was the worst part. And, you know, based on the injury, it was probably impossible to save him um, when I sent the picture to the vet, um, just because he was so little in the first place. Um, but it might have been a larger animal, maybe uh, he or she would have survived. But the point being, if an animal is injured, let us know. We're right here. We have a vet on site. And this is what we are open up to do. We are trying to reduce the deaths in this urban habitat. And um, so to us, we were just really upset. And a lot of the volunteers, you know, they've known Goose since he was born. They were very upset. And, you know, we get attached to these animals. We know them as individuals. We value each of their lives. So for one to be taken like that and not acknowledged was just absolutely horrific. And ironically, that was uh, part of the not not goose, but uh, the fact that so many of the the monkeys were hit by cars and electrocuted, but survived or would have survived, I should say, right. would have would have survived if they had gotten uh, medical care. Right. Um, but that goes back to the non-native status, and that's right. why you have the sanctuary. So okay. maybe in, maybe for goose, it, you know, it was a it was a done deal, and hopefully he just died quickly and it was no pain. But if it had been another animal and probably there will be another another incident there always is Sadly, yep. yeah 
if if someone would come forward and just say, you know, it was an accident, um, that is exactly why you have the sanctuary to to help save this. And it's a small population. It's only, like you said, 30, 30 or 40. So it's not like it's hundreds of, of animals. So when you lose one, you really lose one. Right. Um, it has a real impact on, I guess, the whole social structure, right? Right. He, Goose was low ranking, so we felt sad for him. But he was, yeah. you know, and I think part of it, too, most of the monkeys were already inside the fence line in the sanctuary yeah. and with him and his mom being low ranking, like I said, they tend to hang out on the fringes. They don't want to, you know, cause any friction. So I think they might've just been hanging out, trying to avoid getting into the crowd or whatever was going on. And then maybe decided, well, it might be safe enough. Now the time has passed. I can make my approach to, you know, the follow the group. And it was just a bad, it was bad timing. It was absolutely awful. Yeah, it was. That's, that's sad, but hopefully, uh, Hopefully it won't happen again. And, you know, of course, if it does, then someone will, you know, speak up and, and. Right. Especially if it's a larger animal that he or she knows is still alive though, you know, when injured animals um, are in pain, they try to hide. Right. So if you hit a monkey, please let us know and say, it's not dead. Well, where is the monkey? So I'll let us know that we're looking for an injured monkey that's still alive because if you don't speak up, the animal is, it's going to suffer the same fate as the others over the years who never got vet care. And that's not what we want. We want all animals to have the opportunity to get help. Exactly. Now, I have uh, two two more questions. One, and this, of course, you get asked all the time. Um, and of course, it goes back to the whole non-native status. Right. But a, a big question that everybody everybody's asking, and, you know, it sort of makes sense, but really it doesn't make sense. Why can't they be relocated to an area where they have more land and they're away from, wait for it, the airport, the marina, <laughs> the highway, the trucks, the know. drivers, the, the humans, uh, the parked cars, the buses, right? They've got the shuttle buses. Am I oh, missing boy, yeah. oh, the train tracks and the train tracks and the people with the potato chips. Why yes. can't they be relocated to an area some someplace, someplace else? Because, you know, people are going to hear this and go, well, why can't we just, you know, relocate them to a bigger sanctuary? It's a sticky issue. Um I would love to be able to find a very large piece of land in the middle of nowhere, which I find is difficult now with 8 billion people on the planet and we're growing and spreading and taking advantage of every green space that we possibly can. Um, but that would be nice to have a very large green space that's zoned for wildlife, you know, and education and research is what we really want to continue to do with this population. Um, and house them there and do it in an open range setting where they're not enclosed by wires or bars or whatever, but there is a way to create a fence that keeps them in. Um, that is my dream, but it's very costly. It's expensive. And we know that here in the state of Florida, the, you know, the cost of land, the cost of housing is astronomical. Um, so we're really hoping over the next few years that maybe we'll get some really generous donors who say, Hey, I'll help you relocate the monkeys. If you know, I'll donate some land. I'll give you a generous donation. Um, that's what we really need to help these animals because what I told my husband the other day, it's great what we're doing right now, but I really feel like it's just a band aid, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. So, how, how many acres do you think that they would need? Well, if you did all 40 animals, mm -hmm. um, 
Oh my goodness. I think if we started with, you know, a good five acres and figured out a way to divide that five acres up, or even maybe because we have those two large social groups that we had mentioned earlier, right, right. and then the two small groups, maybe see if we can get one large group paired up with a smaller group just to have two groups, right? So take the four down to two and then divide, you know, the acreage up into two and a half acres. We had five acres. You have to have by state law for the class two, you have to have a minimum of two and a half acres. Um, so even if we were able to consolidate them to, you know, if someone said, hey, here's three acres. Great. Well, we can divide it up into one and a half acres and that would be plenty of space. Um, so that really, I think, is, you know, the goal of these, you know, for this, for these animals. And, you know, like I said, it's sticky um, because people here in Dany Beach love seeing the monkeys. They don't want right. them. So it comes yeah. down to what the public wants to see, right? Um, but they're not there every day seeing the hazards that I deal with, right? They're just there. They get lucky and see them and say, oh, this is so amazing. Our city has this, but drive off and they go about their business. They're not there taking care of, you know, animals hit by cars or, you know, you know, being taken by the, you know, illegally for the pet trade, they're not, they're dealing with all that. Um, so it makes it really, really tricky, you know? Um, so, and then people also don't like the idea of like, well, once they come into captivity, you have to sterilize them. Right. Yeah. People don't understand. I'm like, well, yeah. if we ha- allow them to reproduce, great. The cute monkeys love the babies. I'm not going to lie. They're adorable, but they grow up. And we just can't continue expanding space to accommodate reproduction. It doesn't make any sense. It's not fair to the animals. So what do you do with those extra animals? Well, people will buy them for the pet trade, which is something I don't want to participate in ever. Or the labs, like I said, labs prefer them. So those are the outcomes. They can go go to the pet trade or they can go to a lab. Those I would never, ever, ever want to bring an animal into that situation just for that right. people want to see them have more babies that's selfish of people to think that way yeah so yeah, that's, that's think nice. about the animals currently today what does it look like for them they live here they're here in and out every day dealing with the hazards of the urban environment they matter so those are the ones that we want to focus on to make sure that we could provide a safe place for them we don't want them reproducing like i said and then that becomes a legitimate problem a welfare right. problem Right. Yeah. You don't want you don't want to bring up a, a, a baby monkey as cute as they are. And and, and they're, they are they're adorable and they're cute, but they're that's only for a short time. And then you have oh. to think they would have an awful, awful, painful, uh, not just physically, but emotionally painful life if they were in a lab or as a as a pet. I mean, you know, a dog and a cat, they've been domesticated thousands of years. OK, fine. You know, but get with the program, people, wild animals. Remember the woman with the chimpanzee up in Connecticut oh, yeah, and she go, dressed him up. And then there was some woman and she was sleeping with her boa constrictor. I mean, and then there was someone last year they wanted to bring a pet peacock on the airplane. I just, oh, it just I, that. I know it just never ends. And I mean, I love animals too, you know, but if you do go hiking in the wilderness, you know, take a picture, take a video, have that kind of experience, but they right. really, they don't, they don't make good pets. No. They're miserable. Um, and you never know, they could, they could turn on you too, but it's a miserable life. So yeah, just to, just to make, baby monkey is just just for yeah. that kind of outcome is is not is not good and no one's going to care for them you know the no, way the, the way the mama monkey is, go, is going to that's that's right. for sure. and people don't realize that they're torn away from their moms exactly after being bored so the mom is upset and then the baby's confused you know and their hand raised they don't know how to act like a monkey they're missing right. all the important social lessons in life 
they, you know, the call the wild sets in pretty quickly. They're mature, then they're aggressive and they don't want to wear your diapers. They will bite. So you'll see people surrendering their pets to sanctuaries who've had their canines removed or filed down. That's not a pet. That's not how, but you should, I should not be part of your pet experience um, or surrendered with um, burns from never changing the diaper. The hair follicles being damaged around the the animal's waist because they had to duct tape the diaper on because they won't wear the diaper. Right. 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 Social media is problematic because people post, you know, I'll look at my cute pet monkey, but you see that for two minutes. That's all you get. What happens when the camera's off? Where do they keep them? Uh, you know, do they show the aggressive issues? Do they show the destructive behaviors? All those things that people forget about. You would never highlight that as a pet owner. No. So, so people no. do it for likes. And sadly, like I said, these animals, after a while, they get either locked in a cage and forgotten about, or they get set free, which is a whole other issue, or they're physically altered to accommodate the human because they want to be able to hold and pet them so badly. So social media does a huge injustice of showing that you can have an exotic pet um, like a monkey or a big cat or whatever and do it successfully. You can't. They're like you said, they're not domesticated. They're, they're evolved to live in the wild and that's where they belong. How, how long is their lifespan in, in the wild? How long would it be like nat- naturally? Oh my gosh. I think in Africa, because they not only it's a human issues, they're, you know, they have natural predators. And I think I've read in the literature maybe 12 to 15 years at the most. Um, but they have a high mortality rate just because wow. big cats will eat them, the python right. birds. So depending on the different populations you read about, they'll have variation in, in that particular fact. Um, but in captivity, they can live 20 to 25 years because obviously right. you don't have to worry about a big cat coming in, hopefully to eating them, right? To eat you. Um, yeah. So, you know, my husband's like, well, Missy, you know, you'll be 70 in 20 years. You know, you have a commitment on your hand. Like, don't remind me of my age. Don't thank you very much. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, so it is, you know, we're getting into a, a long-term commitment with these animals, but it's well worth it because nobody has done anything for them um, in the past, what, 80 years that they've been here. Right. So I just felt somebody has to step up and figure out what to do. And um, so I think that's why we kind of go with the day-to-day things of what would be best for the population. It's my ideas for them have changed dramatically over the years. First, I was naive and I thought, well, just petition the state and have them grandfather done. <laughs> right. Little did I know. Oh, did you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was never, ever, ever going to work, you know. So then I thought, well, maybe I can get other sanctuaries to help. Sanctuaries are inundated. They have waiting lists to take animals, right? So the idea of what was appropriate for this population has gone through many, many iterations. So now I think it's just down to, well, we got to find that space, sterilize them, take care of them. And that seems to be the best idea now that um, I can think of for, for these monkeys. I'm glad I asked you how much space because I was under the impression uh, that it would be like 50 acres or 100 acres or much, you know, much bigger. Um, though five five acres might might be kind of a small, but clearly it's I mean, it's it's doable. Uh, if anyone, yeah, if anyone out there in Florida is listening, it, it's doable. It yeah. should be done. And also there is something very similar. Save the chimps, which actually I was blessed to go to years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on. Oh, I also want to specify the monkeys live on private property. So if anyone's right. hearing this and thinking, oh, 
just go down. Be aware. Please be aware. I know there are pictures, videos. We can't do anything about that. But technically, it is on private property. So not only is it a bad thing to feed them, but you are going on private property uh, aside from the sanctuary. So that is something to take into consideration. But years ago, I was able to go to Save the Chimps, which you're familiar with. They're up in Fort Pierce. And that is private property. It's a big compound. You would never know it existed. Um, we got permission because a friend of mine was fundraising, so we were blessed to go there. And it's all contained. It's yeah, yeah. It's, yes, it's beautifully done. Um, they have these buildings where they're able to be inside, you know, during bad weather and all that kind of stuff, and they get vet care. Uh, same kind of scenario. You know, it's a sanctuary. They got a license for it. I think they have two or 300 chimps, and the they chimps are lot. huge, huge. Yeah. So, so they have a lot, a lot of land. Yeah. And again, you would never know it was there if you weren't told that it was okay for you to come there because it's not open to the public. Right. So for the vervets, it's basically a similar idea, but much, right. much smaller because you, you you have smaller animals. Right. You have a lot less animals. You don't need all that land, right? Right. But it's the same kind of thing. So this has been done in Florida, if anyone's listening. Uh, it has been done in Florida. It can be done in Florida. I'll go on record. It should be done in yes, Florida. I agree. It, it should it should be done. So no missing, it can't be done, right? Exa- exactly. So before we end, how can people help? Because I'm I'm all about helping. Hopefully, someone will be motivated to help. How can people? Yes, help? we right now we really need donations because that would help us. So we do have two enclosures built right now, and one's for Spock and one's for Betty. It would be nice to have some built. So. Like you said, an injury will happen again. It's beyond our control. Um, and if we have a habitat built and empty, we can accommodate that animal. So we'd like to have several empty habitats ready to go because inevitably they're going to be used. So it'd be great if people could donate to help us get those two enclosures, two additional enclosures built. So you can go to daniabeachmonkeys.com. And you can see all about our website. Uh, on the website, you can see the history of the project, more detail about where the monkeys came from, and then go to the donate page. And you can certainly make a generous donation there. Um, you also have, uh, you can adopt a monkey if you do something like that. You want to donate to Betty or Spock's care. That would be greatly appreciated because they're in captivity. So we do have to have them looked at, right? So Betty just got her tetanus shot the other day. Yeah. Not happy about that. I, know. Oh, I, bet, I, bet, she, I bet she was not happy about that. She's a yeah. little thing. She was She's probably, a pistol. She is a pistol. She's a oh huge heartbreaker. She, she really is. She really is. Such the, how about personality difference? Spock is very stoic. Yeah. Nothing flusters him, right? Very laid back. Nothing. I've never seen him ruffled. He's like the old soul, the old man. He's just yes. observing, like, I'm just yes. above this, you know? <laughs> yes. And then there's Betty, like a ping pong ball, just bounces all. I'm sure it's the age difference too, but oh my gosh, we had some gentleman come to do help shoot video for, we're going to start a YouTube channel. And so he's like, oh, let me get some footage of video of Betty. So he goes in the enclosure and he stood in the middle of the enclosure and was trying to get some footage. And of course, she goes around and around and so he started spinning around and around he's like i need to stop i'm getting dizzy i'm like yep you just need to stand still in one corner and just wait for her to zoom by and be able to edit whatever you get so yeah so yeah we need more enclosures for you know little critters like betty you know so if we didn't have that enclosure you know i don't know what would have happened i wouldn't have let her been euthanized at all right but um it certainly would have crunch time, you know, for sure, if we didn't have the space for her. So I don't want to be put in that 
predicament if it does happen it would just be nice to have a place for these babies to go when they need it right because yeah inevitably something something will happen whether it's a natural disaster or a human caused it's just right. it's just inevitable because again they're so close to run up by it again an airplane yeah. a highway a marina you know, I mean, you can you can imagine if like a bunch of little children were running around, right? Mm-hmm. You, if you had a bunch of three, four, five, six year old kids, you would not want that. You would not want them to play in this area, right? Yeah, you, you wouldn't can, set people, up your yeah, people uh, can visualize daycare it. right there. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah, you would not want them to play in this area because you would know it would be very dangerous because so many things could happen. They could be snatched by strangers, hit by a car. Exactly the same thing with the monkeys, except that the okay. monkeys really don't understand that this person is not there to give them apples. This person might be there to to do to do something. Right. Hilarious. Yeah. That, that reminds me of that video that we just posted on YouTube by I think his name is Raj the Iguana Man or something like that on his Facebook right. page. And um, I don't agree with what he does at all, but uh, a concerned monkey follower. So we do have a very strong community monkey presence, right? We may be quiet, but they're out there. So I was quickly notified that this gentleman was on private property feeding the monkeys, um, asking the public for ideas about how to trap and hunt the monkeys. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. So, you know, it goes back to this idea of, well, people, you know, the monkeys don't know, like you're feeding me. So you, they've never really had negative experiences with people. So why should I assume the next person feeding me is going to be a bad person? So, uh, but, you know, we made enough of a stink about it. The video came down and uh, I think law enforcement is involved because he was trespassing. And uh, you were willing enough to make sure we had a copy of that because you knew exactly how they say, I'm going to delete it. It's getting too much negative attention. Yeah, yeah human so nature. Yeah. yeah, so you recorded it and we we're able to still share it with FWC. You know, the local officer said we could probably get him for feeding. And then from what I understand, the property owner uh, is looking into trespassing. They reached out yesterday and said, do you have a copy of that tape? So, you know, there's those people are out there and I think they go back just to use it to boost their social media presence, whatever it is. But um, they're not always the best intentions at all. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. Unfortunately, uh, you can't really control social media. And unfortunately, people people get not just their news from social media, which is unbelievable, but they see things. I mean, when you see a picture or video. You're seeing a flash, literally just a flash. And people present the best side of themselves or the best side of an issue, right? right. So you're not seeing all the nuances. Because in this guy's video, I'm sure he didn't say, oh, my gosh, the noise of the planes and the water's polluted and traffickers sell them and torture them. No, it's not. It's nothing like that. So people see the picture of the monkeys and they think, you know, um, there wouldn't be any harm if they went down and tried to pet them or get them to come to them, right. not realizing, well, that means that they're going to follow all humans because they're a different species and they can't differentiate between right. the few of us that are good and the more than few that are not so good, shall we Shall we say. So right. uh, lastly, if people are on Facebook, you have a Facebook page too? Yeah, you can look for us on social media platforms um, at the Dania Beach Monkey Sanctuary. And then on Instagram, I shortened it to DB Monkey Sanctuary. But now from what I understand, Instagram and Facebook are linked together. So it should be pretty easy to find us. I think they're called Meta now. I think I think. Yeah, I think so. You know what? I'm not a super techie person here, so I'm not up on the late <laughs> fluid situation here. 
To me, to me, everything is separate. But yeah, so you're on, I think you're on Twitter too and Facebook and Instagram and that would be right. great. Uh, yeah. Betty, Betty on her swing on YouTube, she will, she will be a star. Oh, um, if people want to, if people want to uh, like ask you a question, uh, info at vervicproject.org, that's your yeah, email? Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. Or you can direct message me on our social media platforms and I can get back to you as well. Yeah, because I love answering and talking about monkeys. So not <laughs> a problem. I could do this all day. I know. I know you do. Okay. So with that, I think that's going to be a wrap. So I'm so glad that we had this talk, Missy. Me uh, too. Thank you and so I, much. I look. I look forward to. Uh, I look forward to those 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 videos of Betty and her swing. She is she is a cutie patootie. And hearing you know how all of this plays out. Yeah, and, and, and the, the resolution. Told you, but tomorrow we're mm -hmm. doing, um, we're connecting their habitat. So we're going to put a runway in. So we're hoping within a week we could actually let them meet each other physically. They see each other, you know, oh through the bars, mm -hmm. but yeah. they'll actually be able to interact with each other. So we're hoping that the pairing is successful and that they'll actually have companionship now because that is so important. Oh, that would be fabulous. Right. So tomorrow yeah. falling, it'll still be blocked off. So they can touch each other through the bars. But once the vet thinks he's seeing all the appropriate signals, we'll pull the divider and see how it goes. So fingers crossed for us that it's a successful introduction and they can have a grooming buddy and a sleeping buddy. That's oh, that would really be great. what they need. They are going to be, that's what primates meet. Because when it goes back to this idea, I want to keep a pet monkey. Well, they're social. They need to be with other monkeys and they can't be kept isolated when you can't play with them or whatever. That's horrible. So this is going to be absolutely amazing. I cannot wait. So I'll have to update you on that and see how that goes. Definitely. Definitely. Well, you know, I'm, I think I'm hearing maybe come back again. Yeah. I'll give you the best <laughs> drama. So def def definitely have to have to uh, find out what goes on with uh, the drivers and the uh, trappers and Boy, I, that would be great if those two. I feel so bad for Spock. I mean, I know he's like an old soul, you know, yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, he definitely, especially when his when his brother Spike. Spike, Spike, his brother, I'm terrible on names. His brother Spike is running up and you know running on the top, and you just know Spock is like, if only I could, you know, if only okay, I could get get to you. So he wants yeah. out. So we give him enriched yeah, toys like yes. Betty. Yes. No interest. He all yeah. he cares about is. How are you well, hoping one of us is, will be a complete ding dong and leave the, the door open? And that would be his his golden ticket. So um, I think okay. it'll be really good for him to actually be able to interact physically with the monkey because yeah, that will realize that this is, you know, there's some good things inside. So, yeah, we're hoping we're hoping it'll go well. But you're right. Yeah, he does want to get after uh, after Spike. And Spike is the big brother and the antagonist for sure in this relationship. Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the I've seen the videos and I was like, oh, come on, hang hang in there. So finger fingers crossed that this yes. goes well. Yeah, I think um, it will. I just was originally we were going to ahead and introduce them earlier, but I thought Betty was too small. Yes, I think probably. Yeah. But now I'm actually worried about Spike because Betty is so gregarious that yes. I'm wondering if she's going to drive him bonkers with her energy level because, like you said, he's very stoic, laid back chill and then you have Betty it's just a ball of energy so it'll be interesting maybe whoops maybe it'll get him going I don't know but um yeah I think she's going to be the uh the instigator of things so oh oh definitely oh definitely but you know yeah she could kind of maybe pep, pep him up a look uh yeah. because yeah he's yeah he's got to be like a little a little boy you know if nothing else 
he will really enjoy just watching her, especially with the swing, (laughs) swing back and forth and climb here and jump on that. And she's got all those toys to play with and every, everything. Actually, I'm collecting a bunch of, I got a bunch of stuffed animals. I got, I got, got, I'm getting a whole truck, whole truck down uh, for for her. Um, But uh, no, that, that would, that would be great. So at least she could be entertainment form if nothing else. But, you know, like I said, fingers, Fingers, fingers crossed. Right. So and he gets a new enclosure. He can go inspect Betty. So it's new space for both of them. Yeah, it's new space. So right, exactly. So mentally, exactly. I think this is going to do so much for both of them. I'm so excited. But yeah, I will have to definitely keep you updated on that. Yeah, like he could go in and go. So that, so that's what this little girl's got. Oh, she's got a little different different pad going on. Yeah, she's got some different toys. it's like a jungle gym, you know, it's toddler <laughs> central in there. So it and is. I'm hoping if he sees her use toys. That he'll be like, oh, maybe he will, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so right. I see lots of benefits in the future for both of them, right? Because I asked you, you know, well, what kind of? To- I feel bad. I don't want to bring him mangoes. You know, like what? What does he want? And like Betty gets all the toys. She's got like the boxes and the bags and the stuffed animals. And yeah. you know, there's there's a uh, Spock. Spock. Yeah, there's Spock, and he's just got you know his food. And I'm like, oh, he's got he's got to have something something to play with. So if he sees Betty or if she plays with him. Yeah. And maybe he will kind of get a little snazz going, a little That's pep in his step. Yeah, a little pep in his step, yeah. right? Try to, try to keep up with the younger generation. She's like the, what, the Gen Z for him? Exactly. Maybe, maybe he'll kind of kind of kind of kind of play so yeah. yeah i don't know if you saw that video on instagram but you know people sent them gifts over the holiday and i wrapped them yes i, I saw that yeah food inside <laughs> betty and horse with bananas and then i put the wrap gift with food inside of it um out for spock it stayed in the same place untouched for 24 hours so i had to go open it for him and um and then you know take the food out so we have t- we have toys in there but they stay in the same place and the same food. So we have to remove all the old food, obviously. We put new stuff in there, but still doesn't mm-hmm. touch it. So this, like you said, I'm thinking she'll be the leader on this, which would be good. Yeah, she'll, yeah, she'll, she'll take the lead. She'll be like, no, listen, sweetie, there's like all kinds of stuff in here. You got to watch me. You got to get your little hands in there and go around. And there's all kinds of food and toys and this and that. You can chew on it. Just like wow. with cats. Some cats look at a box and, you know, and other cats will just chew on it and bang on it and have have a have a field day. So, nice, yeah. So with that, I'm going to say goodbye. I hope uh, I hope oh, everyone listening you. has enjoyed the show and tune in next time. I cover many different topics. So there's a little something for everyone. And that is a wrap.